Yes. Good afternoon. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today is Sunday, December the 18th, 2022, exactly one week before Christmas. And I guess an early Christmas present, at least for the purposes of discussion, was dropped on me earlier today. A uh, message from uh, Tim Smith, who done podcasts with before, who follows all these events, which alerted me to the fact that this past week, the United States has signed a tax treaty with Croatia, the first treaty it signed in about 10 years, and uh, this is also a first-time treaty uh, with Croatia, and it has uh, at least one very, very interesting provision in it which is a clear carryover from the U.S. Model Tax Treaty of 2016. And joining me today to discuss this again is Tim Smith, who is a technician when it comes to, I would say, the savings clause. I don't know anybody who's, I think Tim has probably read every single tax treaty and every single saving clause. So he is my go-to person when it comes to what's happening with the saving clause. So welcome, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, John. It's been a, I haven't talked to you in a while. I've done one of these uh, podcasts, but uh, happy to be back and uh, with some kind of news on an interesting front um, because it's been a long time since we've actually had one of these announcements um, out of the U.S. Treasury um, in years, like kind of since I've been involved in doing this. So it's kind of an, Croatia is a relatively small country, but it, there's some interesting precedents here. And uh, let's hopefully we can uh, talk about that today. Okay, let's, uh, let's just slow this down a little bit. You know, these treaties are so comprehensive. I mean, you know, we started talking about the treaty in totality. We'd still be here, not beyond this Christmas and right up to next Christmas. So I think we better zero in on it's the saving clause that that we're going to talk about. Correct. That's uh, what's uh, uh, depending on who you are. If you uh, are a sociopath with no feelings, uh, you would find it objectively notable. If you care about this issue, I think you'd be pretty angry and upset. So which are you? Um. I've probably mellowed over the years, so I I I don't necessarily um I would not assume and without further information, I would not assume a position of malice on anyone's part. I think it does show certain very ingrained habits um that come out of the government. Um so I I, I would not and and this is this agreement still a long ways from actually being approved and ratified, and that and that's that lot up as I think what I want people to think about rather than just being mad at whoever wrote it. Oh, there's no point. There's no point yeah. being mad. Yeah. At Let, let's see around what it is here. So. Uh, you know, so it is a change in the saving clause. But before we get into the particular change, do you want to just describe what what, a, what the saving clause is generally? Yeah, it's just a provision and it's just in a provision in treaties that it basically says that notwithstanding anything else in the treaty, the, tr the treaty needs to be interpreted 
as to as to it doesn't any of the benefits of the treaty or any of the other provisions do not apply to someone who is a resident or a citizen of one of the one of the parties of the treaty um as as they would be um it, it, so basically it 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 means that none of the provisions of so if you're, let's say a US citizen living in Croatia, none of the provisions of the treaty, n- none of the things the US is, is in terms of tax policy is changed in the treaty, none of that benefits you. Okay, it, so, so to put it so to put it simply, um, there's a presumption in the US tax treaties that any of the goodies, the good stuff that benefits yes. anybody. Does yeah. not apply to you if you're a U.S. citizen, right? Correct. That's the presumption, and the presumption yeah. is rebutted by saying, "Well, let's back up here a little bit. You know, certain types of things, double taxation, yes, etc. Certain types of pension issues. Uh, those we're going to give you the benefit of, even though, even though you're a U.S. citizen, yes, otherwise not worthy of consideration. Would yes. you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. So there's a there's a main carve out which carves out anyone who's a U.S. citizen, and then there's a carve-out to the carve-out, which says, well, on these some of these particular things like Social Security and pensions, we'll give you these benefits, but we, we won't give you the core benefits of the treaty. Okay, uh, that's right. Now, and of course, this applies to residents, a.k.a. green, green card holders. holders. Green card holders are in a privileged position because they can use what's called a treaty tie break to get out of this all Yes, right? yes. Okay, so the worst thing it can be, basically, from the point of view of U.S. tax treaties, a U.S. citizen, agreed? Yes. I mean, that's just an established fact. Yes. Okay? Uh, you know, it's almost as though the purpose of the treaty is to hurt U.S. citizens. Yes. Or at least not give them benefits or anything. Yes. Okay. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this uh, saving clause here. Uh, and it actually... Uh, is two sentences. And it's interesting because I think if we break it down to the two sentences, we can kind of see the evolution. So let's read the first sentence here. Um, except to the extent, and this is, by the way, as part of Article 1, except to the extent provided in paragraph 5 of this article, that's the carve-out, right? Correct. This convention shall not affect the taxation by a contracting state of its residence, as determined under Article 4, resident, and its citizens. Now, now let's just stop there for a minute, okay? Because that's that part of it is sort of what they would have had 50 years ago. Correct. Um, it's also, interestingly, what the model UN tax treaty and the model OECD tax convention AKA treaty have for their savings clause, right? With the exception, the model UN and model OECD treaty have make no mention of citizens. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so so the so what the the UN treaty and the OECD does is theirs would make no mention of citizens. They don't have citizenship taxation, so theirs would be equivalent to, except to the extent provided in paragraph five, this convention shall not affect the taxation by contract and state of its residence. Correct. Determined under Article 4. Okay. The U.S. always has gone further, though, by including citizens, right? Correct. No and you can see that if you look at a treaty like the U.S. has with Greece, 
which has not been modified in decades. It's a treaty where the text is still the same text it was in like 1951. That's essentially what the treaty between the U.S. and Greece says. It's almost as this this saving clause applying to citizens almost has constitutional status in the United States. Well, there's never been a treaty. The U.S. has never signed a treaty without that provision in it. That's interesting. Okay. All right. So, you know, so far so good. And that's not a good thing. But it has been in place for a long time. It has been in place for a long time. And then what happened was the saving clause was expanded a little bit um, to include former citizens or residents for a period of 10 years, right? Yes, they started doing that in the late 1960s. All right, in the late 1960s. And uh, an example of that would be, let's take a look at how this worked in France. Uh, in France, let's see. Um, now, what they're saying in France is notwithstanding any provision, this is 1994, notwithstanding any provision of the conven- convention except the provisions of paragraph three, the United States may tax its residents as determined under Article 4, resident and its citizens as if this convention had not come into effect. Okay, and then it says, now notice the evolution. This is 1994 France. For this purpose, the term citizen shall include a former citizen whose loss of citizenship had as one of its principal purposes the avoidance of income tax, but only for a period of 10 years. So that's a bit of an expansion over the Greek one, isn't it? Yes. Okay. And uh, do you know why they why they changed that? To the, they added the ten year thing because I think the law they passed in the nineteen sixties. So this would have been the first exit tax law. Um, it only the law itself only applied for ten years. Yeah, that that's ex- that's exactly the right answer. That's exactly the right answer. That is reflecting uh, a change in in U.S. law, which basically. Uh, in the Internal Revenue Code says that in certain certain circumstances, if a U.S. citizen renounces, they're still subject to taxation for a period of 10 years. So hence the savings clause is modified a bit to reflect that, right? Correct. Okay, now that's interesting. Now, Now let's go a little further. And I think we can use France as our example. Uh, in 1994, there's a protocol, or, sorry, in 2004, there's a protocol, that means an addition, a modification to the 1994 treaty. And now what they're saying is, and maybe you can comment on the difference as we watch the evolution of this, for this purpose, they, now they add, for this purpose, the term citizen shall include a former citizen. Now they say, or long-term resident whose laws of such status had as one of its principal purposes the avoidance of tax, but only for 10 years. So they've added now the long-term resident, right? Correct. And that was a change they made in the, uh, a legal change they made in the mid-1990s. In 1996, I believe. 1996, correct. Yeah. So in 1996, what they did was they, uh, they said, hey, you know what? These green card holders are just getting away with murder. And they used to be right. subject to the 10-year rule as well, right? Yes. 
Yes. All right. So it's really interesting. So let's watch the evolution of the saving clause, right? So Correct. we start with Greece, say, 50 years ago. We have a citizen or resident. Then by 1994, we have not only citizen or resident, but we have an add-on citizens for 10 years, right? Correct. Then by the time we get to 2004, we have citizen or permanent resident green card holder, right? Yes. And we also have the the removal of the qualification of um, who, who changed status because for the reason of avoiding taxation, because they found as a, a, a matter of domestic U.S. law that they couldn't really prove that. So they just eliminated that qualification altogether. I, and I think they did that either in 1996 or maybe in 2003. Well, um, let's see what they've got in 2004. Um, and some of these might not have been quite kept up to date with, with the underlying changes in U.S. law. And, you know, like I said every country, Canada's savings clause is a little different than France's. Right. Um, but but these are actually tracking changes in the expatriation laws. All right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what they do is as the as it gets more punitive to leave the United States, as the expatriation taxes and rules get more complex yeah. and more punitive, what we see is the scope of the saving clause evolving to include that. Yeah. Right? Yes, correct. Okay, now that that's a that's a really good point, and that's interesting. Now let's go to the 2016 model tax treaty. Let's go back there. And what they did was they simply the Croatia tax treaty is the two, at least with respect to the saving clause, is. Uh, the 2016 uh, model, model treaty, which is just a draft published by Treasury. This until right. recently, there's never actually been a signed treaty that another party has agreed to that necessarily has the same language from the model U.S. model treaty. Right. Okay. Now, now let's go through this again. So this is what this is the model tax treaty of 2016. It's also interestingly exactly what Croatia signed. Correct. Okay. So again, there's two sentences here. First, except to the extent provided in paragraph five, that's the carve out. This convention shall not affect the taxation by a contracting state of its residents as determined under Article Four and its citizens. Okay. Now it says, notwithstanding the other provisions of this convention, a former citizen or former long term resident may be taxed in accordance with the laws of that contracting state. Good. God. Do you interpret that the same way I do? Yes. Which means well, a former resident. So let's just say former resident can be taxed forever. Uh, and Or citizen, right? Or citizen. All right. So in other words, whether you renounce, whether you hand in your green card, we own you for life. Correct. Okay. In Croatia, in the other party agreed to it. Now, that's what's fascinating. So, yeah, so Croatia agrees to this. Who knows if they knew what they were signing? But if right. we were to look at this from the perspective of Croatia, okay, here's what it actually means, what Croatia has just obligated themselves. So I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the, uh, the saving clause and I'm going to contextualize it, okay? And I think it means this, and I'd be interested in your comments. Except now, here's what Croatia did. Extent to except to the extent provided in paragraph five of this article, 
This treaty shall not affect the taxation by the United States of its residents, as determined under Article 4 resident, and residents of Croatia who happen to be U.S. citizens. Correct. So far, so good. Now, let's just yes. for a minute. I mean, this is astounding. Yes. So what Croatia just agreed to was U.S. can tax its residents, but it can also tax any residents of Croatia who happen to be U.S. citizens, right? Correct. Unbelievable. Who would sign something like that? But it gets worse because yes. here's the second sentence now. No. Notwithstanding the other provisions of this convention, a former U.S. citizen or former long-term U.S. green card holder who is a resident of Croatia may be taxed by the United States according to the Internal Revenue Code. So am I mistaken or did Croatia just say that if we have as our, if, if our residents include even a single U.S. citizen who was ever a, a, a former U.S. citizen who renounced or a former green card holder living in our country as a resident, that we've just agreed to allow the United States to tax our resident. That's what they've just done, isn't it? Correct. Ten. And to tax them until death. So the U.S. could, let's say... Until death or to death? Well, the U.S. could, for example, you could have someone who, who renounced their citizenship but well, is ceased to be a, a resident, let's say, at 25. They live until they're 95. The U.S. could tax that person for all 70 years. They're a resident of Croatia. And if the U.S. wanted to, they could put like a deemed sale on death tax. So they would, let's say, tax that person one last time before they died 70 years after they ceased to be a U.S. citizen or resident. And that's that's what Croatia agreed to that, that that would be a legitimate exercise of taxing authority. But didn't they also agree to whatever the U.S. taxes are, so they agreed to PFIC, guilty? Yeah, because that's all, any type of income tax. You mean anything? I think in the treaty there was a reference to, uh, you know, the Internal Revenue Code as a whole. So in other words, I mean, this, this gets more and more amazing as we put it in context once we get out of the theoretical gobbledygook. Yeah. So not only has Croatia agreed to allow the U.S. to identify Croatian residents who are present or former U.S. citizens. But it's also agreed to allow the United States, as long as those people are alive, to impose things like transition tax, guilty, exit tax, gifts tax, the whole thing, right? Correct. Tim, who would sign something like this? I mean, there's the name of the person who signed it's in. I I, I have I mean, what kind of person? What kind of person? Um, I don't know. You mean I? I think there's as I as I mentioned earlier, Croatia is an EU member state. I think it's important on the U.S. side. They want to have treaties with each individual EU member state, because you could have an issue where, although, again, they, for example, the U.S. denounced their treaty with Hungary just recently. 
um, which has kind of always been the perception is like, well, from the other side, like we would never, we, even though the treaty is like one side told to the U.S., we would never denounce our treaty with the U.S. because that's just way, you know, this just just that's just like blowing everything up for no reason. But the, the U.S. in fact just denounced their their treaty with Hungary about six months ago. Um, so I think there's obviously it's it's not entirely. I I think there's. There's three parties involved in this. I think there's obviously the U.S., there's obviously the Croatian government in, in Zagreb, and I think there's also obviously the European Union institutions in Brussels. Um, there was, I, I think there's definitely a, a view in all three capitals that they wanted to have a treaty in place between the U.S. and Croatia. And the reason for that is there were issues that could come up under EU law that if a, a treaty was not in place with Croatia, people, someone in Croatia could argue that the fact that other EU member states like France, like Germany, had treaties with the US, that that, were, that could be perceived as being discriminatory towards Croatian businesses and residents, and that could create a legal challenge to agreements the U.S. had signed with other countries in the European Union. It's a very complex area of law, but I think the U.S. want to make sure, for their part, the U.S. I'm not sure the U.S. was so interested in uh, agreement with Croatia because I don't think the, the reason Croatia just joined the EU about 10 years ago, too. So I think I think the U.S. wasn't so much interested in Croatia because Croatia they didn't want to create a situation where the lack of having a treaty with Croatia created legal problems for other existing treaties in the rest of Europe. That's just my opinion. Um, so I think you have to look at this is not just a Zagreb-Washington, D.C. agreement. This is a Zagreb-Washington, D.C.-Brussels agreement between three parties, which is where I think people who oppose this agreement, which has not yet been ratified and will will take some time to be ratified. This is not even a, this is, I mean, if we did nothing to oppose this agreement, it would probably be sometime next year, I suspect, before it actually got ratified. Um, so just doing nothing, it will still take quite a bit of time to, to work through the process. But And we have known there have been negotiations going on for, for a couple of years. So this isn't totally out of the blue. It's been reported in the press that Croatia and the U.S. have been talking about an agreement for a couple of years now. So, you know, it's it's not a done deal by any any stretch and it requires on the u.s side the ratification requires 67 votes in the u.s senate so this is not something that democrats in the senate can just push through on their own it needs to be a a, a significantly bipartisan vote to approve the agreement okay now what uh I mean, this seems to me to be another huge, huge problem for the community of Americans abroad. Would you agree? Yes. And I actually maybe should back up and, and explain 
is we kind of did sequentially how these changes have happened because you essentially had a domestic law change in the U.S. and then these savings clauses started to, to be modified as domestic law changed. In 2007 or 2008, they passed, I think it was called the HOD Act. And what that did is that completely changed the expatriation tax law regime. So it switched to from being a system that was based on, okay, after you expatriated, you had to pay tax for 10 years afterwards. It changed to the system I think most people understand now, which is the IRC 877A system, which is just a one-time mark-to-market tax on, you know, uh, you, you, I'm sure you've explained it many times and you probably explain it better, to, better than me because you've actually, you've actually probably done hundreds or even thousands of cases now involving it. But it's, it's what people understood. And one of the reasons with, with that, one of the justifications from the Treasury, why they wanted Congress to switch to that system in 2008. And in fact, they had been pressuring Congress to switch to the, the system we now have for um, since the 1990s as well. It, it wasn't just something new in 2008. It had been something they'd been pushing all the way back to the mid-90s. And one of the reasons was, well, it would it would it would avoid this problem of having to always modify the savings clauses. So, like technically, the the IRC 877A tax, the deemed sale. Well, like if you live in Greece, it, it doesn't have a conflict with the treaty because the, the sale is is imposed on essentially the last day you are a U.S. citizen or a long-term resident. So you don't have a con in theory, you don't have a conflict with the savings clause, let's say in the Greek treaty, because the tax only applies when you're still a U.S. citizen. So after 2007 or 2008, as a matter of domestic law, there should be no reason for the Treasury to even be expanding the scope. The Treasury should should be able, I mean, there's no, there's no justification under U.S. domestic law as it exists as it to keep exists. on widening this net. What? As it exists now. As it exists now. And as it has existed for uh, 15 years almost. Okay. And, and in fact, when they made that change 15 years ago, they justified it as this would bring domestic law into orientation with all of the savings clauses they had signed over the decades that there would no longer be, let's say, a conflict with the treaty, let's say, between Greece and a very old treaty and domestic law, that this would kind of, you know, align everything together. And that was, that was one of the justifications, one of the things they pressured Congress as to why they should make that change back in 2007. Right. Okay. Um What possible reason could there be for including that second sentence of that uh, model tax treaty, the Croatian saving clause? What possible reason could there be? Well, I'll throw you mean 
you know, that it can apply to former U.S. citizen groups. Yeah. In the past, I was more cynical. Um, I'll actually, you mean, as I've gotten old and mellow, I'll actually throw out that it could be as simple as someone who doesn't know what they're doing in the Treasury that's just copying and pasting from old documents. You mean that? I mean, I, 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 I have some, over the years, I've come to realize that something like that occurs more often than you might imagine. Um, the other thing is that there are people in Congress who want to change or modify or go back to the pre-2007 regime. And this leaves, this kind of creates an opening for them to do that. But again, from Treasury standpoint, I don't know why they want that second sentence because they wanted the, the, the 2007 law. And they wanted it. One of the reasons they specifically wanted it is not to get into this discussion with other treaty countries. But but what that second sentence does, right? The expansion to former U.S. citizens or green card holders. I think what it what it would mean is that there's really no change in U.S. domestic expatriation law that could conflict with the treaties, right? Correct. All right. So, you know, maybe maybe charitably you say that's the reason, but it does definitely open the door to, a ch- you know, one change in U.S. law could be, well, whether you renounce or not, you know, if you've ever been in the United States, you have to, you know, you're a U.S. tax resident for life. I mean, I think it's unlikely, but the problem is that that it is possible and worth were that enacted, uh, you know, would not be incompatible with the model tax treaty. Correct. Well, this is clearly ominous, I think. I think it's ominous. This is a good reason why I, I understand why people renounce. And I know a lot of people are renounced. What have he done with this whole thing? I think this is... Evidence is why you should, you're unfortunately going to have to look over your shoulder for a while um, until we have some type of more final uh, conclusion to this. Because there's obviously someone either inadvertently or on purpose wants to leave the door open to something like a law that said, okay, even if you're announced, you are still a taxpayer for life. Well, the problem is that the door is open to that, you know, from a treaty perspective. Yes. Uh, you know, that, 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 that is the problem, the model tax treaty. And this thing, I think, needs to get a, lo- a good deal of lobbying against it now. Yes. You know, from various organizations to try to, you know, try to take this. And thing. people should realize, for example, even in Canada, I know this. a lot of people have renounced in Canada that said, well, I've renounced they'll see this and they'll say, well, the Canadian, no Canadian government would ever go along with this. And I guess the response, I'd say, you're willing to bet your financial life on that. (laughs) You know, the Canadian government as a matter of politics has gone along with a lot of things that people didn't think it would go along with. Um, You mean, are you willing to, (laughs) are you willing to bet everything that they wouldn't go along with this if it became precedent? And I'm not saying like the Canadian government would go along with this in the next year or two. I 
I think what I'm telling people is you should be aware of this and you should be trying to lobby against it. I, I think that's right. But I also think that, that you know, it's, it's a stronger argument to renounce. OK, because yes. because, uh, you know, if the law were changed, you know, you're subject to tax, uh, you know, forever and you're still a U.S. citizen. That's pretty clear. But if you renounce before such a law hypothetically were to take place, at least you can argue about the retroactivity. Correct. Yes. Well, and, there is, and there are still, you know, constitutional challenges that can be made in the U.S. to yes, whether you could. The Internal Revenue Code is the Constitution. Yeah. It is the Constitution. Yeah. Anything because in theory, you could have, you mean, what stops the U.S. from saying, well, everyone on the planet is subject to the Internal Revenue Code. But it already does. Well, it does. But I mean. Yeah, all individuals are tax residents unless they're a non-resident alien. Yeah. And all they have to do is get rid of it in Section 2 of the Internal yeah. Revenue Code. And that's it. Yeah. Well, on that note, on that note, Tim, it's always great to catch up with you generally, but especially when it comes to talking about the savings clause. You are the world's expert, I think. I think of you as the world's expert on the savings clause. So thanks for drawing that to me, my attention, and thanks for connecting with me to discuss this today. And what would be your final bit of advice for... Well, I think this is something, like I mentioned, it's a six, two-thirds vote of the Senate. So if you're looking at this on the U.S. side, uh, this is something where I think Republicans and Republicans overseas, if they are serious about this issue, I think they need to step up and show it on this treaty. Uh, and I'm not saying block the whole treaty. And I'm not even saying, but on that second sentence, they need to step up. Because I, I think there's absolutely no question about yeah. that. And if they don't step up, I really question how serious they are about this. Because, you I mean, there was stuff when they were in charge in 2018 that was not necessarily helpful to overseas Americans. Well, Maybe it wasn't as harmful as, as some of the stuff that happened earlier, but it wasn't helpful by any means. Uh, and that was even after, as a party and a political organization, they were made aware of these problems. So they need to step up. All right. Well, it's been great chatting with you today. And again, I'm speaking with Tim Smith, who is just outside Boston, I believe, right? Still in. Still just outside Boston. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Tim. And, uh, you know, keep an eye on this and maybe we'll I will. pick this up again.